0: This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Hope everybody's having a great Thursday. A couple of more days as we head on into the weekend. The baseball team's fresh off victories, fresh off dramatic victories last night. See if they can carry some of that momentum with them into the this Thursday and then into the weekend. You got both football teams getting ready for their second preseason games, which will be Giants on Sunday against the Bengals, Jets on Monday. We'll be out there, of course, with the broadcast beginning at 7 p.m. after the K show as they welcome in the Atlanta Falcons. Jets will practice with the Falcons the next couple of days at Florham Park in preparation for that game. So both teams and both coaches have an answer questions about their quarterbacks and what that situation is shaping up to be, which we'll have some thoughts on a little bit later on. And also, we'll have plenty to say on the whole Deshaun Watson situation involving the National Football League and the Cleveland Browns and the suspension that came down. But as always, you can get me on Twitter, at Dan Grossa, G-R-A-C-A. (laughs) Got to start with the baseball, though, right? As we have the last couple of nights, but more so, especially coming off of the crazy, crazy finishes that you had on Wednesday. And maybe n- for the Yankees, it's hard to talk about a team that's in first place rather comfortably, you know, that basically has led wire to wire the entire season. And you look up, they still got a double-digit lead in their own division. But it's hard to think of a win that could be more significant and more potentially impactful this late in the season than what the Yankees orchestrated last night against the Tampa Bay Rays. Because I don't know about you. And that game finished, remember, after we got off the air. You know, we said goodbye, enjoy your night, sleep tight, all that stuff. Once Tampa Bay took that lead in the top of the 10th and scratched those three across off of Aroldis Chapman, got plenty to say about him too. You thought it was turn out the lights games over. You thought this team was going to be just completely defeated. There's no way they have it in them to come back. Even with the silly ghost runner at second base like they have an extra innings now, a little bit of an advantage. Nope. Thought they were done. Remember, they came back already earlier in the game. They were down 4-0. Erased that deficit. But can they really do it again? Chapman lets them down again the latest time. Just when you started to believe in a Chapman, that maybe, just maybe, he was getting back into the good graces of maybe earning that trust to be the Yankee closer. And then he gives it right back. But that was a circle-the-calendar win. And I even tweeted this out last night after the game. If the Yankees, a few months from now, in November, if they're having a parade, and you only have parades if you win a championship, of course, if they're riding those floats and parading down the Canyon of Heroes in lower Manhattan, you're going to look back to that game last night. You're going to think back to Wednesday The 17th day of August, when the Yankees couldn't get out of their own way. Remember, that was just their third win in the month of August last night. That's how bad this team has been. This team couldn't buy a run. This team couldn't get out of its own way. Remember, they shipped the problem child, the guy that everybody wanted to finger point as being the reason for the Yankee woes all season long, if you want to consider them woes. But Gallo was gone. You didn't have him to kick around anymore, yet this team was still scuffling, so you got to point to other casualties, right? you got to look to, oh, well, Isaiah Kainofalefa's no good. Oh, Aaron Hicks is out there, can't judge a fly ball in center field, can't get a meaningful hit, can't do anything. What's wrong with this lineup? Why can't they score any runs? On and on and on and on and on. And you know what? Brian Cashman and company got sick of watching it too. That's why they called up the reinforcements from the minor leagues. That's why Cabrera's here. That's why Floreal is here. And they're in the lineup again tonight, by the way. Hicks is on the bench. IKF is on the bench. You know what? As they should be. As they should be. You got to earn your playing time. This team's trying to win a championship. Not just make the playoffs. Not just qualify. Not just put up a good showing. No, they're there to win the whole darn thing, even though they've only won it once in two decades. But I want to see Cabrera tonight at shortstop. Florial again is back in center field. And guess what? DJ LeMahieu is back in the starting lineup for the New York Yankees tonight at second base. So getting a little bit healthier. Aaron Boone earlier today said, you know what? Next week, Stanton could be back. Could be his time. So little by little, this team is starting to be more whole again. And Josh Donaldson, he has not exactly had the first season on Broadway that You probably wanted, he probably would have wanted, even the Yankees. This is a guy, once upon a time, it was an MVP. You know, he's well-traveled. Guy's been on, what, three teams in as many years for a reason. I think that if if he was a keeper, if he was consistent in his play, if he was a little bit healthier, if he was more durable, I think that, to a certain extent, he wouldn't travel around as much. And he really has not big been as impactful as maybe the Yankees would have hoped he was making that trade. We talked about the trade many times already. That's a wash, as far as I'm concerned, with Minnesota. You know, it's a wash because the Yankees aren't getting a hell of a lot from the guys they brought over, and Minnesota really isn't getting a lot from the Yankees that went over there. But that's neither here nor there. That's in the past. That's gone. Now you move forward. And can this team catch lightning in a bottle from that win last night? You know, the Josh Donaldson signature game. Reminded me of that Jason Giambi game, like his first season as a Yankee. It was earlier in the year. Didn't come in August. Remember he had that walk-off Grand Slam? Rainy night. I think it was against Minnesota 20 years ago. You know, can Donaldson maybe take this and build some confidence? And start to be a trusted producer in the middle of this lineup, be great. Be nice, wouldn't it? I don't know how confident I am that that's going to happen. But you got a new opponent coming in tonight in in Toronto. You know, the Blue Jays are a team that I think they're one of the biggest head scratchers in baseball this year. Toronto was a team that I picked to win the American League East before the season started. But they have been so inconsistent. They have been so up and down. I mean, they already got their manager fired this year. Yeah, they got a lot of talent, but they haven't performed to the back of the baseball card. They're way, 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 way too right-handed in the lineup, if you ask me, which could be beneficial to Frankie Montas tonight. And now he's under the microscope again. Why? Well, I'll tell you. Because this is his first start in the Bronx. You know, it's easy to pitch the first couple of games when you're on the road. One was good, one was not so good. Now, if he doesn't have it tonight, you know what they're going to do to him? They're probably going to boo him off the mound, just like they were booing the manager last night. Which, good job, by the way, with Don and Peter asking the tough questions earlier when they had Boone on, and they asked him about that. We'll share that with you a little bit later on, in case you didn't get a chance to hear it. But this is what they got a Frankie Montas for. And especially, look, Yankee fans are smart, right? They know what's happening over in St. Louis right now where Jordan Montgomery is pitching like a Hall of Famer his first three times out for St. Louis. Guy's 3-0, and he's got a sub-1 ERA for the St. Louis Cardinals. And again, all these weeks later, we're still sitting here, at least I am, and I'm asking myself, tell me why Jordan Montgomery is no longer a member of the Yankees. Now, I understand we're not talking about a staff ace. We're not talking about a guy who's, you know, even a one or a two in a rotation. And the Yankees certainly didn't feel that he was that for them. That's why they sent him to the Cardinals for a guy who can't even play yet. That's what they thought of Jordan Montgomery. We'll take a guy who's in a walking boot and is still probably at least a few weeks away from even being able to contribute to our team. And good for Jordan Montgomery, really. Good for him. Good for him going out there and trying to prove the Yankees wrong. And saying, hey, you know what, you should have held on to me. But I go back to the Chapman thing again. Because Chapman's been like really, really good over the last month, up until last night. And then it reared its ugly head again. And if you're a fan and you're watching that and you saw what happened in the 10th inning, you started to get like, you know, you started to get the itch. And you started to feel a little uneasy And you're saying to yourself, boy, this is that guy again. He's back. I thought he was gone. I thought he was gone. But no, here he is. And I was joking around last night, but, you know, kind of half serious. And I'll say it again. You're a Yankee fan right now, and you got one guy on this team out of that bullpen to get you the final three outs of a game in a big spot for your life, with your life on the line. Who the hell do you trust? Really, who do you trust? Because I know that Chapman has one of those lurking every so often like you got last night. And the stakes keep getting higher and higher for him the longer he's been back off the shelf. And so last night, to me, those were pretty high stakes. And he didn't get the job done. And some people want to pass it off and say, oh, well, you know what, he threw? 101 miles an hour. Mejia just got a bat on the ball and he took it the other way down the first baseline. Okay, great. You want to say that that was a lucky hit? He had good velo? Fine. But how do you explain the two walks? It's the walks and the lack of control that drive you crazy and led to that situation. If he didn't issue those free passes, then you know what? What happened to Mejia? You live with it. It's not the end of the world. But how many times have we seen this guy just continually lose the strike zone and issue free passes at the most inopportune time in a big spot? That's what you don't need to have happen. And right now, you know, you look at both of these teams. That's that's the one common denominator between the Mets and the Yankees is that both of these bullpens, (laughs) let's be real, there's one guy you feel good about. On either team, and that's Edwin Diaz. And we'll get to the Mets situation coming up here in just a little bit, but as far as the Yankees are concerned, like what do you take from this bullpen? There is no way in hell that I can go into the month of October trying to win a World Series and have a Roldish Chapman be my closer. It's, it's, it's not going to happen. You can't allow that to happen if you're the New York Yankees. Impossible. That is baseball malpractice. So you better hope that Clay Holmes... Who's on the shelf right now with the back spasms? Send them to a chiropractor. You know, get them acupuncture therapy or whatever the hell you got to do to get them right. And oh, by the way, once the back issues clear up, get him pitching like he was in the first half of the season when he was as good a reliever as there was in the sport. Find me that guy. That's the one I want to see come off the injured list, not the guy that they sent to the shelf who couldn't get me out. Because at the very least, if he somewhat resembles that guy from the first half of the season, you might be a little bit more confident about your team's chances going into October. Because the way this starting pitching is right now, dare I say it's a little suspect? You have really a lot of faith in this Yankee starting rotation too? Not me. Not me. 800-919-3776 800 919 is the phone number. You consider that win last night a blip? You consider that game just a one-off? Or do you think this could be the start of something? I'll tell you right now, I like the fact that it's a new opponent. I do. Blue Jays have been scuffling a bit. They could be the perfect recipe for the Yankees to at least sort of build some trajectory here over the next few days. You know, Jose Barrios is going tonight for them. He has been one of the biggest disappointments based on how much money they're paying him, maybe out of any starting pitcher in the American League. And historically speaking, Jose Barrios passed the All-Star break. Not very good. Not good. Yankees should feast on Barrios tonight. We'll see what happens. Eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. It's a busy Thursday. It's Dan Gross' show. We get it started right here on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. It's the Dan Grasso show, 800-919-3776. Harvey and Jacob along for the ride. They're producing tonight as well. We're one big happy family. So, Yanks win the game, and now you wonder, are they going to be able to string a few together here? You know, is the offense going to start to resemble the offense that we saw for the majority of this season when, for a good long while, they had the best record in, not just the American League, but in all the major league baseball. So we asked the manager, what about that win? Can it provide a spark to what you guys maybe have been missing?
1: It was, you know, obviously with the stretch we're going in, it was a it was a great victory, you know, no question. Um against a really good team that's tough to score against, especially when you're when you're behind like we were. So look, we know we're a really good team. You know, we're struggling obviously right now and going through it, but at the core you know it's a confident group and we know we just got to keep kind of head down, focus, grind through this and that was a that was a special one that hopefully we can look back on fondly.
0: All right, so Stanton's getting close, right? And that's going to be a much welcome acquisition for this lineup right now. I mean, look, John Carlos Stanton, we know his history, we know the back of the baseball card, we know the paycheck, we know all those things. He is a difference maker in this lineup. So Aaron Boone was asked, what will this lineup look like when Mr. Stanton is indeed healthy and ready to return?
1: Yeah, I mean, it will be probably a little bit fluid, but hopefully, you know, we're hoping to get him back next week, and he'll kind of hopefully split time between right field and DH. When he's in right, that bumps Aaron over to center. We're hoping to get Harrison Bader back at some point in September, you know, so that adds another layer into things, but kind of work itself out. It will be fluid, and, you know, there's that competition element to everything, too, that hopefully we have a lot of good options vying for playing time each and every day, and hopefully we're worthy of that playing time each and every day
0: that was boone earlier today in his weekly spot with uh don and peter on the michael k show and it was a good interview too and you know one thing in particular and and we're going to have this for you in just a little bit we'll play it for you but i like when the guys asked aaron point blank you know did he hear the boo birds last night out at the stadium you know because they were hostile you know the fire boone chants i mean you could hear them from you know five states away they were pretty loud so you know that the manager was going to hear him. And a lot of guys, you know, coaches in that position or whatever it was, they're, if they're asked point blank, they're going to tell you, nah, you know, I don't pay any attention to that stuff. The fans are passionate, blah, 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 blah. Boone just came out and said basically, yeah, you know what, I heard it. I heard him. And good for Aaron. You know, you can have your issues with him, and I understand that, you know, you're the manager of the Yankees. Things aren't going well. they got to point the finger at somebody. They're going to be angry at somebody. They can't get rid of all 25 players. So instead, they're going to blame the manager, they're going to blame Cashman, they're going to blame ownership, they're going to blame the hot dog vendors, the beer guy, anybody who's anybody that isn't playing baseball. Because they want results. Let's go to the phones. Eli, Washingtonville. First up here on the Dan Crossey Show, ninety eight seventy ESPN. Eli, what's new?
2: Hey, Dan. Listen, man, uh, yeah, definitely Boone, you know, he owned up to it, but uh... – the guy the guy's not smart, but you know he's a good guy that's you know that's his mo you know he took he he pitched it for uh kind of philfa with uh, aaron hicks you know uh the other day he took out uh this uh, this guy that he was throwing a one hitter just to rush into the bullpen uh you know he does he does things that that make you scratch your head like like last, the the playoffs where he brought in uh uh, A.J. Hap, you know, with that Garcia for one inning thing. That also Davey Garcia, yeah, league.
0: that was a mess. <laughs> I'll
2: tell you, he does things that I do, but, I do but, not but, understand. But,
0: but, like he's... but Eli, Eli, let me stop you one second. Go ahead, go ahead. One second, I'll let you continue. The thing about the Davey Garcia, would Hap in the playoffs all those years, and that was in 20, that was during the COVID year when you had no fans in the ballpark. That I don't necessarily all put on Boone's shoulders because I believe that a good portion of that decision came from the organizational philosophy, which begins and ends with Cashman, if you know what I'm saying. A lot of times with these analytics, and that's that's one of the things that I think is a major problem in baseball, is that these organizations that are really deeply rooted in analytics – they sit there and they let the computer and the numbers dictate how the game is going to go. Instead of letting the game evolve and you manage with your gut and you manage based on circumstances that arise in the game, they sit there and they map out, all right, this guy's going to go five innings, then we're going to bring in this pitcher to face that guy, and then this pitcher to face that guy. That's what happened that night, and unfortunately it happens way too many times in baseball.
2: Right, I agree with you, but listen, all the rest of the stuff is his fault. Like He doesn't really know how to manage the bullpen when it comes to, uh, he goes you. He tries to rush into it. Like you saw the thing with Nestor. Last year, He how many times did he let uh, uh, you know, Chapman blo- uh, load the bases with walks before he even started anybody? But listen, I don't really want to go into Aaron Boone. He was a mistake from the get-go. But listen, Brian Cashman, this is a result of him not having a productive beginning of the season. Now, everything was like, listen, we're saving money for Judge, and that's why he brought a whole bunch of Plan Bs. And, you know, the pixie dust is, is wearing off. You know, kind of Falefa is, is playing to the back of his baseball card because he's, you know, he's not a productive player. All right, he doesn't you have know, the he's history. He's a defender. Yeah, he, and then you have uh, Josh Donaldson. You know, that's another lightning in the bottle you're trying to hit. But, you know, if you would have brought in uh, quality guys here, instead of one, uh, 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 you know, thinking that your prospects are, are, are Lou Gehrig, Babe Ruth, and, and all these guys, and then trading the trade to Montgomery, not getting the you know, the the, pit, the 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 ace that you were supposed to get, you know, uh from the from Cincinnati. All these things are, are are product are is a product of Cashman and this is every single season that he builds these this underrated team and they find they catch you know, they catch fire for a while. but you know, you know what, though? They, they, you they know got, what, though? They just got better. They got better in the trade deadline by getting the catcher that destroys the Yankees.
0: Christian Vasquez, and they also got Trey Mancini, who I like a lot. And Eli, thanks for the phone call. But, and also, the, the Astros' last few nights, though, have been having problems scoring runs, though. All right, they lost the first two games to the White Sox in that series. They had a lead in the eighth inning, blew it the first two games. And then last night, they had to hang on for a 3-2 win. So the bats were kind of quiet, and then today they had the— explosion with the 21 runs but everything Eli was just saying like as Eli was making his points I started to think that's a conversation that needs to be had maybe in October not now not now you know why because still and the points that you made are valid everything that you said about some of those players you know what you're not wrong But the Yankees are still in first place, and they got a 10-game lead. And there's only one other team in the American League that has a better record than them right now, and of course, that's the Houston Astros, right? Like, I could see if the Yankees were battling for a wild card right now, like if they were in the position that Toronto's in, maybe underachieving a little bit. But save all those remarks for Boone, for Cashman, the job they did— Save those for October if this team fails to get to the World Series again, which unfortunately has been the norm for them, right? They haven't been to a World Series in a dozen years. And I don't know right now, if you're asking me, are they a probable favorite to get out of the American League? I don't have a lot of confidence, although things could change. Here was the part with Aaron Boone earlier today with the K-Show with Don and Peter, and they asked him, the fire boom chants that were emanating at a Yankee stadium last night. Did you hear those?
1: Oh, yeah, I heard it. It was robust. Um, <laughs> um, Great description. I, don't know. I, I kind of stood up a little taller on the top step, and, you know, it is what it is. I mean, that goes with the with the territory sometimes. You you know, you don the pinstripes, you're you're managing the Yankees and, you know, expectations and, you know people get frustrated and you know especially a stretch we're going through right now um whatever I mean it doesn't bother me that much you know you don't love hearing something like that but at the same time it's not like doesn't really move the needle for me like I got a job to do we've got a job to do we're trying to um be the best team we can be and that's kind of where the focus lies and sometimes fan frustration um or passion however
0: you want to look at it um Happens. Good answer from Boone. Seriously. Good answer. He didn't give you the stock answer. The cliche. I like what he said. Really and truly. 800 919 That's the telephone number. We'll continue with the Yankee calls when we come back and also get into some Mets. That was a big win last night, but certainly did not come without concerns as well. We'll talk about those specifically. Dag Ross's show on a Thursday. It's 987 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. Both the Mets and the Yanks scoreless after one inning apiece. Yanks and Jays in the Bronx. Mets and Braves finishing up that four-game set down in Atlanta. Talk a little Mets here for a second. And obviously you want to get this game to get the four-game split That way, Braves don't gain any ground on you. You leave town with a a five-and-a-half game lead. Same margin you had when you rolled into Atlanta a couple of days ago. It's also important in the fact that if the Mets get this game tonight, that'll be their 10th win this season against the Atlanta Braves. You play 19 times. And now the tie-breaking procedure in Major League Baseball, if you're tied atop the division at the end of the season after 162, you don't play that game 163 to decide it. It's based on head-to-head, who did better during the season. So Mets would clinch the head-to-head tiebreaker tonight with a victory over the Atlanta Braves. So that's also big. Uh, More importantly, Scherzer, DeGrom, Max did his part. You want Jake to do the same thing here to get them back on the right track or continue on the right track here before you take on Philadelphia going into the weekend here. And, you know, obviously what Brett Beatty did last night was cool. Homering in his first, first pitch that he saw. As a major leaguer, I believe it was his first pitch. Maybe it was a second, but definitely his first at bat. Uh, the hanger over the right field wall, two-run jack. And then the reaction of his family and the crowd. And, you know, that footage has made its way all over the Internet today. And it, really, really cool to see. But watching that game last night and the way it unfolded, Mets have a major problem. A major, major problem on their hands. And that is the bridge to Edwin Diaz. Because just like we lament the fact that the Yankees don't have anybody dependable right now to close games, at least in my opinion, I don't think the Mets have reliable setup guys to get the ball to Diaz. Because just when you want to buy into somebody and just when you want to believe that, okay, this is a guy I can trust, whether it's Adam or Seth Lugo, then they let you down. And then they disappoint. And you say, oh, I was fooled. You know, starters can't go eight innings. It'd be nice, but that's not how the game works anymore. And then he just try, hand the ball over to Diaz to get the final three outs. It doesn't work that way. And Trevor May last night, you know, Trevor May really hasn't done a hell of a lot since coming over to the Mets, has he? Been a big disappointment, if you ask me. I mean, he missed a chunk of the season this year because of injury. But that guy, I, I, I mean, you could give me a five-run lead And I wouldn't trust Trevor May to get the three outs to preserve it. Because very nearly, he gave up a four-run cushion last night. Buck was ready to send Diaz out there for the ninth inning if it was still a one-run lead. And then the Mets put up that three spot in the top of the ninth. And then he said, all right, Edwin, you're done. We got this. And then they put Diaz in because, you know what, if you're a major league pitcher and you can't get three outs with a four-run cushion to end the game, then what the hell are you doing up here? If you blow that, you should be down in the minor leagues. But May made it interesting. And I don't know about you. How many Met fans out there, when that ball left Ronald Acuna Jr.'s bat last night, thought that it was out of the ballpark? Given how much Trevor May has struggled since putting on this uniform more than anything else. So I was thinking about it. All right, what's the solution? Like, how are they going to be able to at least bridge that divide to a certain extent? I got to be honest. The guy that I think might be best equipped might be Tyler McGill when he comes back. What do you think about that one? Right? I mean, they already said that they v- envision him working out of the bullpen as a reliever once he's healthy, probably next month. In September, he'll be back. Because right now, there's no room at the end as far as the rotation is concerned. I think McGill would be an excellent choice, to be quite honest with you. An excellent choice. And Darren Ruff just missed the home run and went foul by like a couple of feet. Or else it would have been one nothing Mets. I think McGill would be a good choice. But he's got to get healthy first, more than anything else. 800-919-3776, the telephone number. They did get some good news, though, today regarding Tywan Walker. He left that game a couple of nights ago after two winnings because of the back spasms. So he met the, uh, he met the media and was asked how he's feeling.
3: A lot better than expected. Tuesday... I would say it was a lot, a lot of pain. One of the worst pain I've ever felt. So to where I'm at today, I'm, I'm, I'm a little shocked. But, uh, yeah, we're definitely moving in the right direction.
0: And what about the injury specifically?
3: Yesterday, I, I was still sore. Felt better, but I was still sore. But, uh, you know, we've been doing a lot of treatment, a lot of exercises, and uh, just trying to stabilize the core and stuff. And today, I felt really good. Played catch 60 feet. And that felt good. Got on elliptical. Did a little modified uh, lower body workout. So everything's moving in the right direction.
0: So that's Walker might make his start this weekend against Philadelphia. We'll see. Remember, they got that doubleheader on Saturday, so you're going to have to need another arm to begin with. But given that, you know, he's had some back issues previously, I would just skip him this time around, really and truly. You know, make sure he's healthy. Get him back there next week. You don't have to put him on the IL. But just if he's only going to miss one time through, that's not the end of the world if you're talking about a Taiwan Walker. You need him healthy for the long run as opposed to him just making one start this weekend against Philly only because the back feels better. Eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. That's the telephone number. Sharif Brooklyn up next right here on 987 ESPN. Sharif, how are you?
4: Hey, what's going on?
0: What's up, Sharif? Uh, d-
4: Hey, I've, I've been a Yankee fan for since I was a kid, but um, it's one thing I hate about Chapman. The man has to realize he's not a pitcher. He's a thrower. I don't understand why he has to take 20 seconds between every pitch. Throw the fastball high, low, inside, outside. You don't have to be throwing your flat slider coming over the plate and get smacked every time. Some Somebody please tell him to throw his 100 miles an hour left, right, up, and down. That's all he has to do. I don't know why he has to be so complicated.
0: There's a trend in Major League Baseball right now, Sharif. Look, like, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. But the conventional thinking now is that pitchers attack the strike zone or attack hitters by pitching north-south. You know, the high fastball is what's yeah, really look, something like, that's being perfect. stressed right now.
4: Go oh, ahead. yeah, no, 100%. But – Every time I see him throw a slider, it's smacked. Like it looks like he's throwing it like a practice pitch, and it gets smacked every time I see him throw it. And then you know I'm not obviously I'm not going to compare him to Mariano, but Mariano threw one pitch. Everybody knew
0: what was coming, and they still couldn't hit it. The man is a thrower. Mariano. He's not a <laughs> pitcher. He has to stop can't, pitching. Can't compare him to Mariano. No, but I hear what you're saying. No, 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 I, I, no, I I'm not saying that. But he's not a pitcher. He's not a pitcher. Well. He's the closest thing they have to a closer right now, Sharif, and thanks for the phone call. I hear what you're saying because he throws gas, and he's a little erratic sometimes with his control, like you saw last night, and when he's up there and he got the beads of sweat rolling down his face and it looks like he has no handle on the situation. We've seen this out of Chapman before. We've seen this for a lot of years. This is nothing new, nothing. But Sharif isn't wrong. And like I was saying, you know, nowadays they preach north-south. But if you really want to be effective, you should also learn how to attack east-west. You develop that slider. You know, if you're a left-handed pitcher, if you could develop that back foot slider to right-handed hitters, that's a great weapon to have. But if you don't know where it's going, that's also a problem. Because what happens, like last night with Chapman, you put a couple of guys on base, and then if somebody even gets wood on a 101-mile-an-hour fastball, shoot it down the line, and then all those runs score. Walks are killers, absolute killers. 800-919-3776, that's the telephone number. Blue Jays are having some success off Frankie Montas in the second inning here. They put two on the board. Santiago Espinal with a fielder's choice that drove in a run, and now George Springer with a RBI single. So 2-0 Jays batting in the second inning off of Frankie Montas making his Yankee Stadium debut for the pinstripes 800-919-3776 that's the telephone number we we're talking about something during the break me and the guys and i'm gonna run it by you because something that's happening right now tonight like as we speak live history unfolding in our city i just don't feel good about all around i'll tell you what i mean Grasso with you till 10 dan Grass's show 9870 ESPN. spn You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. So a funny thing happened at the ballpark tonight in the Bronx, and that is, well, the Yankees forgot that I guess they won last night and then that they were supposed to have some momentum because Blue Jays five, Yankees nothing. Yikes. I had to look it up, too. Frankie Montas making his Yankee debut at home. Has appeared in two games at Yankee Stadium prior to the trade. One start, two appearances, seven innings total, and he's given up two earned runs, 2 five 7 ERA. That was before tonight. Now giving up five runs and in two innings. Vlad Jr. with a three-run shot to right, just over the outstretched glove of Aaron Judge. Judge is 6'8". He needed to be about 6'11 on that one, or else it would have been a hell of a play. But to no avail. So, boy, I I mean, not to pile on. And Eli, who called us a little bit earlier, and everybody out there who, you know, has such nice things to always say about Brian Cashman. How's that month of August looking so far for the Yankee general manager with the moves that he's made? Benintendi's doing nothing. Right? Frankie Montas, I mean, Jordan Montgomery looks like Cy Young over in St. Louis. Yikes. Yikes, yikes, yikes. Speaking of, Subi in Midtown, up next here on the Dan Grazer Show. Subi, how are you? Hey, man. I was just wondering why
4: people get so sensitive when they mention Cashman and, his, you know, uh, that he should be um, buying Cashman and why he's untouchable and this and that. He doesn't really deserve the GM job anymore. And when I mean people, I mean Michael K. Michael K goes on these rants about how Brian Cashman's going to get picked up right away if he gets fired. That might be true. But let's just... I'm, I'm surprised in this era that there's so much stat, statistics and all this stuff that why anyone hasn't broken down how many players he's missed out on and the players he's gotten. He's missed out on Verlander. He's missed out on Machado. He's missed out on plenty of the uh, other West Coast team, uh, players that the Dodgers picked up. He's missed out on all of those players. And instead of making a big move, he makes the statistical move, which doesn't pan out at the end. So why, why do people get so sensitive when they talk about Brian Cashman's job? That's what I go, all I got to say.
0: Well, here's what I'll say, Subi. And, you know, I thank you for the phone call. But anybody who says, for example, that, you know, Brian Cashman, he would get picked up in five minutes if he was, you know, let go by the Yankees, I do believe that to be true. Now, that is if he wants to work again. You know, like the guy who just got fired yesterday by the Texas Rangers, John Daniels, a guy from Queens, believe it or not. You know, he was with the Texas Rangers for 17 years. 17 years. He probably won't rush back into baseball. I don't think he has to. But if he wanted to, I guarantee you he would get another job like that running somebody else's front office. I-, I guarantee you. Because of the resume. And now you can say, well, Cashman really doesn't do anything great because you know what? He gets to run the New York Yankees. He operates with a blank checkbook. You know, he's got an ATM machine. How hard can it be to build a winner or build a competitive team each and every year? Yeah, I mean, that's true to a certain extent. But is it? Right? Is it? Because correct me if I'm wrong. This version of the Yankees, this version of the Hal Steinbrenner Yankees, doesn't operate the same way that the George Steinbrenner Yankees operated, meaning it's not a bottomless pit. They are extremely mindful of the luxury tax. They don't just spend, 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 spend. They're not going to get the most sought-after free agent every single year. Last time they got that guy was Garrett Cole. And really, if you want to go back, like, the last five, six years, like, to to memory, just off the top of my head, is there really anybody, anybody not named Garrett Cole? That was this, like, marquee-free... I mean, Subi just ran down a couple of the names. Who was the guy that they put in a huge bid for and tried to get on the open market and came here not named Garrett Cole? Right? I don't think you've had that guy. But I don't think Brian Cashman's a bad GM. He does have, well, since he was in charge, four World Championships except the last one came about a dozen years ago. This doesn't make him bad, doesn't make him a bum. But you know what? Everybody's got an expiration date. You don't keep these jobs forever, right? You know, look over in hockey. You know, Lou is a Hall of Famer. Lou Lamorello is, you know, in his peak years, was as good as an executive as you had in sports. And what he did with the New Jersey Devils, three Stanley Cups, built a dynasty. That team was a cup contender year in and year out. And, you know, went to the island and he's had some success there, even though, you know, he can't get a free agent this summer. But, you know, another story for another day. But eventually, even after all those years in Jersey, you know, new ownership came in. And, you know, they basically said to Lou, after years of not being competitive, you know what, maybe it's time. Maybe it's time. And that day might come for Brian Cashman. Maybe Brian Cashman doesn't want to do it much longer. I don't know. You got to ask him. This is a very, very demanding job. Now, nobody's feeling sorry for him because he gets paid a boatload of money. But he's done this. What, he took over as the GM in 97, 98, somewhere around there? It's almost 25 years being in charge of the New York Yankees. Jack in Manhattan, up next, right here on 98.7. Jack, how are you? I'm good, Dan. Uh,
3: congrats on the show and great job. Um, Thank you, listen, Jack. I'm a Yankee. I'm a Yankee fan, but and I don't look. It's above my pay grade to say whether it's you know Boone or Cashman or anything because you can make an argument on either side of those guys doing good or bad. But I'm tired of sports pundits not understanding why. Yankees fans are on the edge of their seat all the time. Look, if you can't appreciate the wins this year, yeah, you're miserable. You know, you should go run in the middle of a freeway somewhere. But if you're a a normal human being and a Yankee fan for the last 20-plus years, you understand that we have been disappointed constantly. And it's not like the Kansas City Royal fans being disappointed. It is a privilege to have the talent and the money that the Yankees have had. So when you don't get across the finish line, you don't want to hear pablum about multiple champ. You don't want to hear this stupid friggin' question about, hey, is the season a bust? Because- all of that is so stupid. The point is, look, look at the Yankee history, 100-plus years. If you look at the number of, we've gone, what, 20-plus years now? If you divide by that, we would have won six or seven championships. That's not what this is about. It's not about trying hard to win. It's about refusing to lose. And this team doesn't refuse to lose. It doesn't close.
0: Jack, thanks for the phone call. Um, It's funny to me. Like I said, you know, we're having these conversations on August the 18th. We're not even in September yet. This is still August the 18th. And outside of one magical night like you had last night, it's just been the pits. And tonight to be down 5-0 before it's even dark out. Before it's even dark out. And you got a guy on the mound who, let's face it, was a hired gun. Yanks went out and got Frankie Montas from the Oakland A's. And I thought it was a good move, but they didn't get Luis Castillo. And you saw what Luis Castillo has done for the Seattle Mariners. You saw up close and personal what Luis Castillo has done as a Mariner to the New York Yankees on two occasions. And now, I mean, this is just going to fan the flames even more for all the anti-Cashman people. The reason that the Yankees didn't get Luis Castillo is because allegedly, reportedly, supposedly, the Yankees, i.e. led by the general manager, didn't want to give up the prospects that Cincinnati was asking for in exchange for Luis Castillo. Seattle did. You know, Peraz is still here. Volpe is still here. They hang on to these prospects just like a squirrel kind of saves all of his acorns for a long winter, right? Prospects are great, right? It's cool. You say you have them. You open up the cupboard and you see there are your prospects. But are prospects really helping you now? Fans don't want to hear about prospects. Fans don't care about the future. Fans care about the present. In this city, in this town, fans care about winning today. Fans care about winning yesterday, not tomorrow. What's in front of me now, that is what I care about. And unfortunately to the Yankee fan, it seems as if the front office has had way too much of an eye on tomorrow and next week and next year as opposed to right now and they're squandering an opportunity. Glad we got that out there. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN.